the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jonah, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dennis. It's always great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I just just want everybody to know we differ on Donald Trump, but I want you to know, uh, that is you, my audience, I am reading his book. I intend to read every word of it, but I wanted him on now uh, while it is still just out the book. So I am I am about a third through it and I am enjoying it thoroughly. I just want everybody to know that. I want you, Jonah, to know that. Uh you know, it's and I know Jonah knows this, but I want everybody else to understand this. There are very there's very few times in life where you're going to agree entirely with somebody. The only people we tend to entirely agree with are ourselves. So <laughs> I I can live with Jonah and, and I differing on Donald Trump, and learning a tremendous amount from this man. I mean, it, it is I, I don't and I don't even find that difficult. I just I just want to I want to put that out because my listeners know Jonah. I'm very open with them, uh, and I want anybody else to know that. I mean, this is a valuable book. Uh, there are times when I just go, wow, what a what a great point, and so on. And all right, so you know, sort of the elephant in the room has now been acknowledged, and is and, and he is <laughs> yeah, now. Right. Yes, it's, it's it's totally fine. And again, it's not a book about Donald Trump. He doesn't show up until the very end, right? I mean, I started writing it when no one thought he was going to run for president, including probably him. So well, I, yeah, I didn't right. set out to write the book about him. And on the disagreement point, you know, one of the points I've been arguing for years is that one of the things that defines conservatism is a certain level of comfort with contradiction, um, both in terms of the contradiction between uh, the, fall, the, 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 the fallen nature of human nature and that you, know, you can't make a perfect utopian society, um, and with the idea that people have the right to be wrong or to disagree. And that's one of the things that I think makes conservatism healthy is that we have arguments amongst ourselves and we yes. don't subscribe to and, the, right and we don't ki- and we don't kick the guy out. That's the you know David Dave Rubin who was you know liberal uh, gay guy, uh, uh, but he he realizes if he differs with the left on anything, he's anathema. Right. Uh, we don't have that, thank God, and we shouldn't have that. So uh, uh, I know you agree with that. By the way, I just have to tell you one other thing. I w- well, I actually I want to ask you some, something uh, because it it will imply exactly what I want to say. Do you read fast? Um, no, I don't. Um, but I do read very surgically. Uh, you know, I I, tr- I believe that if I buy a book, I should read the whole book. But if I'm doing research for a book and I only need the chapter on Rousseau and a book about, you know, political thinkers, I have no problem just reading the chapter I need to read. Um, because the number of books you cite, and by the way, it's not show-off cite. Uh, I, I would know that. You cite it, and by the way, to your credit, you give credit to, to people whose points you're bringing, which is a very big deal. But 
the the obvious wide reading that you have done is just remarkable and i and i kept thinking boy i don't read as fast as jonah goldberg does <laughs> <laughs> i really do that's what i keep thinking <laughs> or the only other possibility is you only read <laughs> you don't eat you don't sleep you don't talk to your wife <laughs> so, uh, it, 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 uh, I, I, re- I read a lot for this book. I will tell you that. I, yes, I like it's clear. Howard Hughes with Kleenex boxes on my feet in my basement for a couple of years working on this. Thing. So there is that. <laughs> I believe that. Now, I just want everyone to know uh, one of the truly, if not the greatest thing, but one of the great things of this book is his celebration of what you call, and I, and I, and I. You're not the first to call it that, but you really have popularized it in this book. You think America and capitalism are miracles. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that the, the – oh, let me put it this way. I, I use the word miracle not necessarily in the divine sense, though I have no, no I know that. people who right. want to do it that way. Yes. I call it a miracle because we have no idea really how we were so lucky to get what, where we are. Um, the, you know, there's this amazing consensus among economic historians that for all of our existence on Earth, you know, and I, I, one of the things I do in the book is I take sort of the progressive secular left, I, I want to argue with them on their terms. So the first sentence in the book is, there is no God in this book. And what I mean by that is not that I'm an atheist, I'm not. What I mean by that is that I am not going to appeal to some argument that God gave us this stuff. Because while that may be persuasive to you and me and maybe a lot of listeners, it is not persuasive to people who don't believe in God or don't right. like arguments right. based on an appeal to authority of the divine. Mm-hmm. Instead, I just go with the, I, I assume for the argument that evolution is true, that we are descended from animals, and, and those animals are descended from more embarrassing animals all the way back. And among sociologists, anthropologists, economic historians, there's an overwhelming consensus that for 200 to 300,000 years, man's natural condition was grinding poverty punctuated by an early death, either by disease or violence. And then one time in all of human history, just once, that started to change. And it started to change in England because of the quirky, weird attributes of English culture, and, and it spread to Europe, and from Europe it also spread to, to North America, where the Americans, who considered themselves English at the time, took the weird, quirky things about these oddly liberty-loving people in England and essentially put it in a center views and, and purified it into these abstract principles that bind us together and make us a creedal nation. And so for 250,000 years, Every human being, not every human being, every, the average human being in every society, everywhere, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, South America, North America, doesn't matter where, lived on the equivalent of, uh, of $3 a day or less. And then once and only once in all of human history, that changed. And that only happened six lifetimes ago. And the, where there is no consensus and why I call it a miracle is no, one's, no one can agree on why it happened. The Marxists have their ideas, the sort of, uh, Max Weber fetishists have their ideas, but there's no consensus on that. All they can agree on is that it started to change. And part of my argument, deep in my argument, which you'll get to at the end, is that we should have this unbelievable sense of gratitude. Oh, you already say that earlier. 
and and I wanted I, I I wanted to actually talk about that for a moment with you. Before you came on, I was talking about what I think is the ugliest part of the left, and that is its ingratitude. And uh, so you, you and I are so in sync on this. I, I My answer to white privilege is, no, the truth is we all have American privilege. And uh, I, I, it seems to me you would agree with that uh, because of your emphasis on why don't we have more gratitude. No, I totally agree with that. And, um, and that's one of my biggest arguments with the left today is that, you know, what they want to do is they want to argue that – what defines Western civilization are things like imperialism or uh, colonization or slavery and, or bigotry. And the simple fact is it's absolutely true. Those things exist in Western civilization, and they exist to some degree. You know, today we can have those arguments. But what makes the West interesting is not that we had slavery. Every civilization around the world for the last 12,000 years has had slavery. What makes America remarkable, and the West remarkable, is that we decided to get rid of it. Exactly. And we got rid of it because of these certain principles that are sort of our defining attributes. I, I actually would have loved to have read the whole thing before, but it, it, it's not critical. I, Jonah, you'll find this of interest, by the way. I have been doing this for 30 years, and uh, I, I wonder within me, I wonder do I do a better interview with an author if I read his book or if I didn't read his book? And and by the way, I have no answer to that. It's a it's a very odd thing. It would most people would think, of course, you will do a better interview if you read the book, but it's not necessarily true, because the questions I would have asked would when if I didn't read the book represent the the, the listening audience. Whereas if I did read the book, they represent me having read the book. <laughs> Am I clear? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, the um, you know one of the best author, one of the best questions you can ask an author is, "What's your book about?" Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, it no. seem like a natural question. <laughs> You're exactly <laughs> right. You hit it on the nose. By the way, one of the reasons I'm so enjoying this book. Uh, is that I'm learning, and I love, I just, that to me is a rather big deal. Listen to this quote. I don't know where on God's earth you found this. I looked up the note. I mean, he said, what year was Lincoln born? Because he said this in in a speech address before the Young Men's Lyceum of Springfield, Illinois, Constitution Society, January 27th, 1838. Where did you find this? Oh, gosh, I think I first saw that in uh, Rich Lowry's book about Abraham Lincoln, but I could be wrong. I, it's a great quote. All right, so let me read it to everybody, because I, I, I don't assume you know it by heart. No, I laugh. All right, so so uh, you write, in, Ingratitude is the spirit that inebriates us with despair and in our, in our dark moments makes suicide seem heroic. And, and Jonah Goldberg here is talking about something you, my listeners, hear all the time from me is the the, the, the horrible ingratitude that those who just crap on America uh, exhibit. So now he quotes, uh, he has the, uh, this quote from Lincoln, from when shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic military giant step on the earth and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe and Asia 
could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. Just that last line, I have the chills as I read it to you. And by the way, I'm listening to you read it, and it, it cracks me up. You, <laughs> that, Which, by the way, is is also hard work. I don't think people understand reading even one's own book is not easy. Oh, no, it's exhausting. It's one of the most exhausting things I've <laughs> yes, had to do. Which right, which I admit is why I haven't done it. <laughs> Although I'll tell you, you know, in part because of podcasts and whatnot, um, audiences... The audiobook world is really growing, and audiences really. I got so much feedback from my last book because I recorded it myself, and so many people who are like passionate audiobook listeners really appreciate it because some stranger really doesn't know your rhythm. No, uh, yes. Or, uh, I, I, look, even though I haven't done it, I agree with you, uh, but uh, I have read so many books now with the non author reading them. For example, you know, they tried to get Dostoevsky to do Crime and Punishment, and he refused. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to listen to somebody else do it. (laughs) But in any event, uh, however you read this book, it's worth reading. But I want to just repeat that last line of Lincoln. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. In other words, no one will destroy us from the outside. Only we can destroy ourselves from the inside. And the first way to do it, this is uh, Jonah Goldberg's, one of his superb points here, is through being ungrateful for what he calls the miracle. Now, I'm not going to debate you on whether there's the supernatural, and you don't take a position on it. My own position is simply this. If, If the only explanation left is divine intervention, I'll live with the divine intervention. Like, there's no explanation for life coming from non-life. Science has no answer. And you're pointing out, which is part of the the brilliance of the book, you have no you have no full answer for how America or capitalism came about. It's it's such a quirk, right? So I mean, the analogy I use in the book is to the story of the goose that lays the golden egg. Yeah, I love that. Go so, ahead. The way we've always been taught that story is a story about greed, and I get that, and you can certainly have that interpretation. But it seems to me, no matter which version of it, and there are a bunch of different versions. No matter which version of it you you read, you know the real story to me is ingratitude. In waddles this magical goose that politely promises to give you a golden egg, which is the equivalent of a fortune. You know, in, in medieval Europe, where the story became popular, and in every version of the story, the owner, either through um, sort of the arrogance of intellect, thinking that they're smarter than the goose or through the sort of populist rage, resenting that the goose won't give them more golden eggs, they kill it. And to me, the story is ingratitude. If, if, if for almost all of human history, we lived in grinding poverty, and then all of a sudden something comes along, and it's the only thing that has ever done it, that takes us out of the muck, maybe we shouldn't teach our kids to have a sense of you know, uh, resentment towards it. Maybe we should teach them, you know, let's build a fence around the goose. Let's feed it well. Let's take care of it and honor it and be yeah. grateful for it. So but does that's it, not what we do. Does Instead, it drive you, to, forgive me, does it drive you crazy uh, in light of that, that when you hear the Pew poll that you know, about a half of millennials prefer socialism? 
Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it drives me crazy. It doesn't. It doesn't really surprise me because, you know, just as nature abhors a vacuum, if you don't teach people the good story, they're going to attach themselves to the bad story, and that's what we do on college campuses. You know, the opposite of gratitude is entitlement and resentment, and we we nurture entitlement and resentment in this country. You know, I feel like talking to you about Judaism is like bringing coals to Newcastle, but you know, there is a um. Um, you know, when you read the Passover Haggadah, you know, what comes through almost more than everything else in it is the importance of gratitude, the importance of memory, of keeping certain ideas alive by repeating them, by, you know, civilizing your children into a tradition. And, you know, the working title of this book for years was The, um, the Tribe of Liberty. And what I was trying to get across there was how we need to sort of encourage this sort of tribal pre-rational passion for the glory that is our civilization doesn't mean we can't still fix problems three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.